Hello and welcome to the Art of Communication podcast with me, Robin Kermode. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, visit robinkermode.com. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Art of Communication podcast. We are here with Robin Kermode. Hello. Oh, I wish I could do this in another way, but I'm just going to say it plain. It's about poetry and communication. I think this can be quite intimidating for people to recite or read a poem in front of an audience. It can be. Let me put it this way, Sian. When reading a poem out loud, you can make yourself feel really proud. It's simply a choice. Use your natural voice and you'll connect with all of the crowd. <laughs> did you just write that? <laughs> I did, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it makes a point, doesn't it? It can be a lot of fun, can't it? It can be a lot of fun. And it doesn't have to be as scary as it might feel. Yeah. OK, let's just really dig in here. Most people listening to this podcast are thinking, I'm not going to do this in the workplace. Why would I recite poetry mm-hmm. ever when I'm speaking to my colleagues or the staff? So let's widen it out a bit. When is poetry going to be appropriate? You're probably going to read a poem at a wedding, an engagement party, maybe a children's birthday party, maybe for your grandfather's 80 and you want to make a speech, maybe you'll put in a little poem there. So there's all sorts of ways that we might do it. We talked to somebody last night who spoke at the Scottish Burns Night, for yes, example. Yes, and quoted some of the poetry. And quoted some so of the poetry. do you think it's maybe more you're going to read someone else's poetry yes. in a workplace or at a family occasion? But hopefully where somebody else has crystallised your thoughts. So maybe it emphasises a point better. You could stand up at a wedding and say, I love my wife or whatever you want to say. But if you can find a poet who said it more eloquently than you do, that you connect with and your audience will connect with, then maybe you choose that. Yes. Now, where we start with poetry, I think, is as children. Well, hickory dickory dock, the mouse ran up the clock. Yeah, (laughs) Dr Foster went to Gloucester in a shower of rain. Yes, and all the Dr Zeus books. And often these words are onomatopoeic. They have funny sounds to them. They went to sea in a sieve, they did in a sieve, they went to sea. Yeah. And children love the rhymes and the rhythms as well. And so as you get older, maybe it becomes a little bit more intimidating and a little bit more unusual. Is poetry around us every day and I just don't notice it? Well, a lot of the words from poetry... I've become phrases that we say every day. There's a wonderful piece by Bernard Levin about quoting Shakespeare. And I might read a little bit of that now because that's really interesting. If you cannot understand my argument and declare it's all Greek to me, you're quoting Shakespeare. If you've ever refused to budge an inch or suffered from green-eyed jealousy, if you've played fast and loose, if you've been tongue-tied, a tower of strength, hoodwinked or in a pickle, if you've had knitted brows, if you've ever made a virtue of necessity, insisted on fair play, slept not one wink, stood on ceremony, (laughs) laughed yourself into stitches, you're quoting Shakespeare. That's amazing. So all those phrases come from Shakespeare, but there are many others from poems that have become part of the language that we now say every day and we are unaware that actually we're speaking poetry. So we can just comfort ourselves if we're going to stand up Mm. and we're going to use a bit of poetry to emphasise a point, whether it's a family occasion or whether it's a work occasion. You don't actually have to feel that intimidated because you've probably been quoting poetry, unbeknownst to you, many times that day. Yes. I remember having dinner once. There were some rather grand people around the table. 
At the end of the dinner, the lady at the host tapped her glass with tap, 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 and then she said, and now Robin is going to read a sonnet. What? And didn't warn you? No, no warning at all. And oh. I think she thought, because I was an actor, you could just do it. Right. Well, luckily, I did have one in my yeah. pocket. But I think it's rather like when you go for a job interview and somebody says, could you tell us your favourite joke? Your mind goes blank. We've done this on another podcast. But yeah. I think it's quite nice to have a poem up your sleeve. Just, just in, in case. Just, well, just in case, you never know. It's also quite good for your brain, to be honest. As You know, we're all getting older. Well, at least I'm getting older. And I think it's quite nice. It's <laughs> I'm just, going in reverse. <laughs> I don't know about of you. Of course you are. Every day you look younger, Sian. Yeah. But for me, as I get older, it's good to learn a poem every day. It's just, it's great for your brain. Yeah. So listen, if we want to consciously think about putting a poem into a speech or into a church service or into a wedding ceremony, what kind of poems are there and how do we access them? It's a good question. And obviously you want to choose something that you connect to emotionally and that the audience will connect to. Where do I reach to? Just something really easy for me to understand. What forms of poetry that are easily accessible can we put into our speeches? Is it already written poetry? What form of poetry is it? Do I write my own? If you want to write something yourself more succinctly than you would probably say it if you're just being impromptu, if you follow the guidelines of a poem, it can help you write it. So if you're going to do a limerick, it is five lines. You know, there was a man from Nantucket who put all his cash in a bucket. There's a certain rhythm to that, and that helps you to construct your thoughts. If you write a haiku, for example, there's a set structure with how that works. If you have a sonnet, there's a certain number of lines with that. And if you're going to follow a certain rhythm or rhyme structure, lines one and three and two and four, those forms will give you a structure and help you to concentrate your thoughts. And you might be able to make those funny if that's appropriate. I was going to say some of those sound quite funny. So if you want to put a funny point into your speech, you Mm. can use one of those forms. The way that a limerick is written is there was a and the is the punchline. So you always know when you start a limerick that you're going towards a punchline. Right. So the audience are anticipating a punchline, which is great. If you want to, in a work situation, just lighten it a little bit, you could do that. Okay, I've got something weird to ask you. Can you quote lyrics from a song? Yes, definitely. Because that's a form of poetry, isn't it? Mm. You just don't have the music. If I could share with the group here, on our (laughs) wedding, I spoke the lyrics of You Are Just Too Good To Be True. I can't take my eyes off of you. And I just spoke it as a poem. So (laughs) the answer is you can. Oh, you're sharing quite a lot. Okay, (laughs) got it. But can I quote two lines of a great poem? That's a great thing to do. And I think if you started quoting a whole poem in a business context, I think people would think you might have lost your marbles if you're not careful, and if you do it too often. But if you, towards the end of a speech, for example, said, I don't think I can put it any better than somebody, and you go bang, 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 bang with your two lines of poetry, where they've really encapsulated the thoughts, and you leave that hanging there, that can be very powerful. Can you think of one now? There's a wonderful poem which most people will know by Rudyard Kipling called If, which is about how to make the best of yourself in life. And there's two great lines in that. So, for example, if you were saying to your audience or maybe your business team, you were saying to them, we've really got to go for this project. We don't know if we're going to pull it off, but I think it would be great. And you could quote this and say, well, as Rudyard Kipling said, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, what you're really saying is we're just going to give it a go. Perfect. You are quoting a poem, but it's not too scary because you're not trying to do a whole poem, but you're just choosing something that is really specific for that particular audience. And there's one that I hear often and I see often because, of course, when you communicate, it's not just a speech, is it? You can put it into the written word as well. This is something that is often quoted. It's Keats. It's Ode to a Grecian Urn. I'm probably going to 
absolutely mash this up, but I'm just going to overcome my fear, which is, <laughs> okay, go for which it, go is for why it. we're here. Beauty is truth, truth beauty. That is all ye know on earth and all ye need to know. Now, I know that's not perfect, but it's the way I read it, and I think it's fine. As long as you can connect to it, it will work. Exactly. It's what we say all the time in this podcast. It's always about it, intention. It's it? all about intention. It's all about connecting. There's one that I've used with fundraisers, actually, and it's a wonderful poem. It's a 19th century prayer, and it's called, I shall pass through this world but once. It finishes up with, so any goodness that I can do, or any kindness that I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer nor neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. If you've established your cause in the fundraising speech and you end up with saying, essentially, we have one chance of doing good, so let's do it now. Actually, just you doing that gives it so much gravitas, so much more than will you donate. It lifts it, it to lifts another it to level. A... It is prose on point and it lifts it like music does as well. It can soar. You mentioned earlier, actually, that you learn a poem, have it in your pocket in case you need it. Is that something you use as a warm-up exercise? I think having a poem that you connect with in your head is a useful thing to say to yourself out loud if you can before you go and give a speech because what it does is it connects your voice to your emotional center really when you do go on stage you're much more likely to sound emotionally connected than if you just go and say okay this is a business meeting right you can say it to yourself silently on the bus you could say it you know gently in the corridor <laughs> i think that's a great idea all right, I've chosen my section of poetry that I'm going to put in my speech. Mm. I'm going to say something at this wedding. I'm going to say something at this bar mitzvah, whatever mm. it is. And I'm gearing up. How do I read a poem, Robin? Again, I'm the one asking the basic questions here. Just give us you know, those top tips for the amateurs here. The main thing about poetry is not to treat it like poetry oh. in one sense. Of course, it has form and it has a different rhythm, but the worst thing is for people to put on a poetry voice. So uh -huh. using your natural voice is the most important thing. So yeah. if you did, beauty is truth, truth is beauty, you think, no, Josh. And what you're really <laughs> saying is beauty is truth. This is one of the immortal understandings of life. Beauty is truth, truth is beauty. It doesn't need to be overemphasized. So I think using your natural voice is helpful. Oh, so what you're saying is actually the first thing you have to do is understand the poetry. Mm -hmm. and boil it down to a few words so you get the essence of mm -hmm. the poem. But also you start off with the right tone. For example, there's a lovely poem, which I often quote, which I love. It's a love poem. And it starts off, the first couple of lines are these. If love should count you worthy and should deign one day to seek your door and be your guest, pause before you draw the bolt and bid him rest. Now that's the beginning. But it's a beautiful poem. And if we break it down, what the poem's actually saying, if you are lucky enough to find love, be a little bit careful because it can also cause a lot of heartache. The poem goes on to say it's also amazing. Right. right? So if you know that that's the tone, the way you start will make you read it in the right way because you really understand what it's saying. We're getting quite deep here, aren't we? And we're just talking about four lines of poetry. Yeah. And we've suddenly started to talk about love mm. and the pain and the joy. And it's incredibly powerful. If you were reading at a wedding, you want it to be emotional, but you don't need to act the emotion. The poem will do a lot of it for you. Yes, that's the whole point, isn't it? The poem is going to do a lot of this for you. All but right. you have to give it space. You have to give it air. Which leads me on to the other thing. Real basics, Robin. 
you've got the poem in front of you, it's probably written down, or maybe you've memorised it. Where do we do our breaths? What do we emphasise? Give us the kindergarten version of how to read a poem. So we understood we're going to use our own voice and we understand what the poem is actually saying. Now, three simple things to do. Work out what the key word in the line is and just emphasise that word. Give it a little bit of space. Are we going to underline it with a pen? I would underline it with a pen. (laughs) If this is the line, if love should count you worthy. Well, you think, okay, love is probably the key word there. Yeah. Put a pause before and after the key word. If love should count you worthy. And we're very clear in the audience that, ah, he's talking about love. Because we have to get the audience to focus in on what we're saying. Right. Otherwise, if you go, if love should count you worthy, what should count you worthy? Yeah. Right at the beginning, we want to be very clear. So underline a key word, put a pause before and after it. That's the first thing. The second thing is, the reason a poem is different from prose is prose is continuous sentences. Yeah. A poem is broken up. So all we have to do is to pause at the end of the line. Honour what the poet has said. If you wrote it out continually, if love should count you worthy and should deign one day to seek your door. It's different from, if love should count you worthy and should deign one day to seek your door and be your guest. Pause before you draw the bolt and bid him rest. Essentially, you're allowing the poet who's put the brakes in there to tell you how to deliver it. Right. And finally, when you get towards the end, the last line of this particular poem is, how wise you were to open not, and yet how poor if you should turn love from the door. Wow. People often tend to go, and I finish the poem, thank you very much, sit down. What's great to do at the end is to allow two or three seconds pause before you even move. Let the thought really sit there. And go out into the air, into the And go the out audience. into the air and into the resonance of a big building if it has that. When you're speaking in a church or a synagogue or a temple... A service it, of some sort. Yeah, a service of some It's quite echoey. Mm. It lends itself to poetry, doesn't it, when it's a big venue that's echoey. It does, because what you have to do with an echoey building is you have to stop every now and then, otherwise you're speaking against the echo. And isn't that wonderful that the sound is travelling through the building? It's yes, one, and it has uh, resonance, doesn't it? And it, it? has resonance. Yes. And maybe some poetry is meant to be spoken in that kind of venue. Yeah, a lot of the majesty comes from the pause. There's a great phrase, isn't it, by Claude Debussy, who says the music is in the silence between the notes. And the same, I think, is true of poetry. Wow. I started this podcast with the idea that I was never going to get to grips with the idea that poetry was going to be comfortable for me to say in any of my everyday interaction with family and staff and and whatever. But actually, you've made it sound very accessible. It's easy, actually, just to make a part of your life. And maybe we all have to be children again. We do. But actually, the most important thing about poetry is to keep it simple, because the poet has done the work. And then all we have to do is to make these universal truths sing and be seen. So that's terrific. I wish I had a limerick to end with to thank you, but that was a great introduction to poetry. We really want to hear from you. So go to the Contact Us button on the robinkermo.com website. Write in any thoughts you have about any of the podcasts, any of the topics that you might like us to tackle. Mm. We'd really love to hear from you. And it just leaves me to say thank you so much, Robin. Have you ever wished you could become a confident speaker or presenter? Then why not join my online masterclass, Speak So Your Audience Will Listen. In 10 easy-to-follow modules, you can become a confident and authentic speaker. For more information, 
visit robinkermer.com.